So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. And this is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. This is Marcus K. Dowling. That's at Marcus with a C. K. Dowling, D-O-W-L-I-N-G on all social media. And you are listening to Hysterical Women. Now back to the show. All righty. So I'm just going to pull up. I put my questions in two different places. Awesome. And let me get them both up and at them. I'm excited because I know that if I'm talking to you that you're going to actually have really good questions for me. That's like mm-hmm. the best part. Well, thank you for your confidence in me. I, it is, I, I feel validated. No, between That's both of you, I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't do like. It's funny. Like I do creative work, but I don't do creative business like in the round, like with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So like you two are like two like the only people that I've done like significant significant amount of creative business with. Mm-hmm. So like you nice. you know me at this point. So yeah, it's 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 appreciated. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank course, you. Of course. And yes, and I am really grateful to have you on here. Yeah. It's always are. really amazing to talk to you. I learned so much. And you're just, yeah, you're you're like, Jess and I were also fangirling out. We're like, Marcus Dilling is the coolest person. I'm, and like, of course you would introduce us to each other. Yeah. Um, also, just FYI, everyone, I'm feeling a little bit like, eh. So... If I am not being, I'm going to try to be properly expressive. And if I'm not, I brought my visual aid. I love this. So Just this, in general, even when you're not like not feeling expressive, like you should just do that. In general. You know, is there yeah. a name for it? For him or her? We should name him. I, I think we should. I think we should work that through through the episode. We come up with something by the end. Okay. By the I end. Agree. I agree. Yes. yes. But Perfect. very happy to have Marcus Dowling on here there yes. on the show on Conversations with Hysterical Women. Yes. So Marcus. Yeah. We can talk about whatever you would like to talk about. I mean, I'm I'm here for whatever. Like I I I, I had a I didn't really have like a bunch of ideas as far as concepts because you know the name of the podcast is Conversations with Historical Women, and I am a cisgender black man. So in case anybody didn't know, so I was like, this is a fascinating first question to to like lead into things as to like why you would have me on here. So okay. Um, cause that was my thing. I'm like, I get it. Like I know, but yeah. I figured nobody that's listening to this would have any idea or this understand it. Thank you for asking me about the North star and, yes. um, we can like go in tandem. Yeah. So the conversations with hysterical women, right. Double entendre of all of the problems about the historical use of hysteria, right. but also the sense of being funny right. and how, um, there is an intentional double entendre there right. and a reclamation, yeah. but a big part of that is that, yes, this is a feminist podcast, right. but a big part of that is Ann Coulter is never going to be by my side. Right. You know? <laughs> like, Which is crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. She is not. <laughs> I also don't want you, Ann Coulter. But... <laughs> <laughs> So the reality is we need to recognize that we have allies. Right. And that our allies might not look like us, 
present like us, any of the above, but that we have them and that we should be super freaking grateful. And I know that the podcast kind of has a sound like, like angry feminist is going to be burning bras, like, and And don't get me wrong. Like Mm -hmm. I can do that. Mm -hmm. But, but I don't think that's what we need right now in this place and time. Mm -hmm. I think that we have lost discourse, whether that's political discourse, whether that's just the ability to have polite conversation. I'm like, what happened to discourse? Where is it gone? And I think that like what I used to see in angry Facebook uh, threads or like the way people attack each other on Reddit. Right. We are doing that to each other in real life now. And that is not helpful. So instead, I want to have a conversation about how can we improve all kinds of things? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are the hysterical women, right. and you're yeah. going to have a conversation yeah, with us. Yeah, of course. Okay, so and, I love it. Right. Yeah, and we appreciate that you're an ally. Yeah. Um, and it's also like, for a lot of people, it's like a scary thing to be like, I'm a man, and you invited me on a feminist podcast. Yeah. Like, uh oh. Am I being set up for something? It's like, no, you're not being set up for something. We're here because we want to hear from men. And there are a lot of conversations that I have with my friends. And we talk about things like emotional labor, self-care. What the heck is it? Like actual self-care versus hashtag self-care, work-life balance. Yeah, balance. Um, Boundaries. Empathy gaps, gender gaps, you know, like across the board, like trans rights, human rights. But if we do not include men in this conversation, it's a lost conversation. Yeah, it it's is. not Very a conversation. So. It's a lost conversation. Um, and also some of these things, you know, you get sometimes you seek out the answers. The people that you seek out, you are kind of intentionally seeking out the answers that you want, depending yeah. on where you go. And right. that can That's be true. dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that that was my very long winded. No, I love it. Uh, so, answer, Diana. Yeah. How about yourself? I'm I'm the same with you. It's the whole, you know, I like the idea of us playing with, you know, exactly what is hysterical, how was that defined. So um that's something that we're gonna explore that I do look forward to. So Awesome. So okay. So in relation to that, um I was raised by a single black woman in her early forties, I always like to say. And I think that's the beginning of any conversation when it comes to me and understanding like how I view feminism. And me being a feminist and me being like open and willful to discuss feminism and the fact that I identify first and foremost as a feminist. Um, I was raised by my mother, my grandmother, all of my aunts, all of my cousins, and every single woman that was around me had a position of power and impact in my life. So for the first 18 years of my life, all I knew was that women defined and controlled the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating for me when I was put in situations with people that didn't come up that way. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating when, like, you go to college and, like, I went to Providence and uh, you have a lot of, like, you know, traditional two-parent household, you know, kids who go to school there. And that's a weird thing. Like, you don't get a 50-50 balance necessarily with, like, a, you know, father and wife sort of, you know, husband and wife sort of situation where, like, maybe there's, like, a dominant husband in that situation. Maybe there's a very docile wife and that impacts people in a certain way. So for me, like I meet people and they would talk about their mothers just kind of like sitting in the kitchen 
or kind of being like very like benign as far as like impacting their lives. And I'm looking at them like they were crazy. I'm like, how did you grow up that way? Like, what, yeah. what, what is that? Your, your mom didn't talk to you a lot when you were growing up. Like someone literally said that to me, like, oh, my mom never really talked to me growing up. And I'm like, Sorry to hear that. Jeez. Okay, that's uh-huh. weird and awful and awkward. Um, yeah. And and then, like, you would see that kind of behavior. It's funny, like, and then there's, like, that moment when you're in college where, like, alcohol becomes the grand unifier mm-hmm. and everybody's drunk. And then that's when, like, that kind of home training, like, expands. Yeah. And you learn, like, how people interact socially yep. in that way. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes such a, those, those, those parties, those moments are such, like, a key part of your, like, upbringing if you go to college and you experience that sort of like surrounding and you see like okay so like this is a man who was raised by all men around docile women and when he gets drunk he feels a certain way about interacting with women who are in the room mm-hmm. like that's a and that's a very usually a very negative interaction and then yeah. you have somebody who like myself was raised literally all women and empathy becomes a thing and care becomes a thing and a desire to like you know, like either like engage with that romantically or in a, sitch, in a sense like very socially where I want to sit down and have a conversation mm-hmm. and like really have like a deep, long conversation. And that's the thing. Like, and that was always fascinating to me. Like, it was one of those times where like I really learned like, okay, so like my type of feminism that I was raised around is very unique. Mm-hmm. Like, I always am very cognizant of how my feminism interacts with other people in a room. Like, I will literally take stock of the whole room. And if I know everybody in the room, I generally will know how they were raised. And if they were raised with, like, two parents or one parent, who was the parent? How did those parents interact? How did they interact with their children? Like, that's a thing that, like, I almost, like, consciously do. And that just comes from my space. Yeah. From the way that I, you know, was raised and the way that, like, I was taught about gender dynamic Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. now that speaks to a level of extreme empathy yes Mm -hmm. so first of all congratulations thank you you did it not everyone is capable of being extremely empathetic yeah it's a it's a hard thing but exactly that was the next part of it as i was going to say that that sounds like your ability to read a room and you're also your feelings of the necessity to read a room. Yeah. That is emotional labor. Oh, yeah. And it is exhausting. Oh, yeah. And this is something that we've been talking about. I think a lot of times we talk about emotional labor, and especially if we're talking about cishet men, yeah. um, we don't think about, like, they will also occasionally have emotional labor. A lot of it. <laughs> and this sounds like a lot of everyday oh. emotional labor. Oh, yes. So it's, can you break that down for us? Okay. So I always tell people that like, if you think I'm tired, I'm tired before you even were thinking about the fact of how I was feeling. If you know that that's a thing that you do, then that's a process that's like a part of your every day. Like it's already figured in. Mm-hmm. Like I already know that like probably a good like half of my day is going to be spent like assessing my work and its mm-hmm. impact on that level. Like when I write a piece or when I do anything, like if I'm creating a venue, like when I created decades or whatever, you're thinking, all right, so like the population of people of which I, with whom I am engaging, mm-hmm. how are these words, actions, thoughts, beliefs, uh, content, space, design, whatever 
going to impact them? Uh, is it going to make them angry? Is it going to make them excited? Is it going to make them motivated to action? Is it going to make them motivated to, you know, great feats of commerce? Mm -hmm. Like, is someone going to come into this nightclub and spend $1,200 on overpriced alcohol? Like, is that going to happen? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you, you think about, okay, so like, how am I engaging at that point then? Like, what do I want to do? Like, do I want to like fully engage? Do I want to like do some of the work and let everybody else do the rest, mm -hmm. which is its own level of work? Like, okay, so I'm going to do like 30% and I'm going to let you do 70%. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, I have to do 90% and then say the other 10%. So say like, if I'm working in a space where like, sometimes people call up and ask me to do the work of like explaining, say like sex worker rights in 2019 and I know usually in that room or usually in that space or usually in that piece I'm doing 90% of the labor because mm -hmm. I'm jumping over like multiple hoops and like I'm jumping through multiple hoops to like finally reach my hand out and say okay so now I'm going to pull you with me you always have to engage it that way you're like okay so like that level's here this level's here that level's here so like once you have that set then the work is relatively easy like the work itself I always say like the work that I do is relatively simple. The hardest part is understanding, and this is the thing I think that makes me successful as far as people think, mm -hmm. is the fact that like so much of my work is inherently personal. Mm -hmm. Like I'll take something that seems very abstract and I break it down to the level of personal first because I feel like ultimately that's the mm. easiest way to make things connect wow. is understanding the personal dynamic. Yeah. Because like, okay, so like if you walk down the street and you saw like Burger King, uh, a McDonald's, a Roy Rogers, and an Arby's, and you went to Arby's, the question is why? And there's something about that roast beef sandwich that just spoke to you and said, yes, this is what I personally want. So like for me, in any work that I do, I'm thinking, okay, so you have a million, like say like if I'm writing a piece, you have a million articles you could read about Megan Thee Stallion, a rapper. Why are you going to choose mine? Well, my spin is that and I literally wrote this article yesterday, which is why it's on my mind, mm -hmm. is that I'm going to talk about the fact that Megan's from Houston. And you know who else is from Houston? Beyonce. And I know a lot of people like Beyonce. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to like yeah. hit that emotional spot mm -hmm. and I'm going to pull you along. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's a level where I'm like, okay, I'm one of those like 90-10 things where like, I'm going to go through all these hoops for you mm -hmm. and break all this down. And the thing I'm going to finally hit on at the end is the thing that I know it's going to take you like the least amount of effort to get on board with. Mm -hmm. I did all the rest of the work for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, just just get on board. Like, come on, let's go. Right. So it's, it's, that's the thing. It's like the emotional labor of it is a huge part of what I do. And again, that's largely given the fact that like I was raised the way I was raised. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have any other option. Like I was like, okay, so you're raised empathetic. You're raised to care. You're raised to think. Mm 